We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Today's episode is a little bit of a different kind of episode. We are not going to specifically talk about the Yankees uh, continuing to beat the Twins, at least after one game in the series. Scott and I will be talking about the Twins series Friday. But today, we've got producer Ilya with us, who is a a newly married man, so congratulations (laughs) to Ilya. And we're going to be... This is a jumping off point from one of the topics we were discussing on the last episode about... Cashman's ability to acquire starting pitching and how, uh, I mean, the the Tyon move looks really good now, but also the fact that the Yankees starting pitching has been the best in Major League Baseball. Other than that one random rogue blog on Fangraphs that projected the Yankees rotation to be the number one in baseball this year, I don't think many experts, quote unquote experts, including you and I, Scott, if if you want to categorize this as experts, would have said the Yankees would be the number one rotation. We thought it could be a strength, but not number one. And that's what it's been. No, I I definitely uh, put myself in the doctor category before I say expert uh, in any other area but now it's been it's been unbelievable it's uh it's certainly worth us 
taking a deeper look. And I think that, you know, when you look at Cashman and the criticism that you have of him and every the entire fan base, it always gets gets placed around starting pitching. That's that's the one area everybody goes to about the opportunities that he took that didn't work out or the potential missed opportunities that uh, that didn't work out for whatever reason, whether they, you know, he didn't go after a particular person or wasn't aggressive or, you know, was just uh, was just outplayed uh, by a a different uh, a different GM. But that's the one area that everybody points to is the starting pitching for Cashman for sure. Well, because this is a decade long odyssey of Brian Cashman trying to af- to find a affordable young stud starting pitcher, <laughs> right? Like go back to when he acquired Michael Pineda and then Nathan Avaldi and then Sonny Gray and then James Paxton and now Jamison Tyon. And it was a lot of failed experiments. Even though we acknowledge the trades on the surface made sense at the time, probably even do them over again because it's not like the Yankees lost out on prospects that have come back to bite them in the ass. But he has shot his shot a number of times trying to acquire that young stud starting pitcher who is still in arbitration that this team can have and get a lot of value out of. And it it wasn't, it, he didn't have success with it. Like, let's just be real. He didn't have success with it. This conversation is also not just going to be about Cashman shooting his shot, not having success, but, but also about how the Yankees organization has missed, clearly missed on the starting pitching position. They've hit on other areas when you're looking at what the farm system has produced. There's no doubt they've gotten, you know, they've they've uh they've they've hit on position players. But starting pitching is one of those areas, you know, you have to go much further back to look at the success that has come up. I mean, it, going back to the the job days. I mean, shit, Manny Benuelos, we just talked about him. He just pitched two innings, uh two two clean innings for the Yankees in 2022. But the killer bees were part of it. They didn't work out. They were the failed Jabba, starters. All failed, a lot of failed starters, a lot of guys that ended up in the bullpen, which, you know, traditionally you see bullpen arms are starting pitching, uh, starting pitchers usually. I Yeah. Did you know that Zach Britton started uh, yes. in the majors? as a, I yes. did not know that until I was looking back at his baseball reference. I page. remembered that when he first came up with Baltimore, yeah. Yeah, I, I had forgotten that or I didn't know it, whatever it was, but I was But you're right. Most most relief pitchers are, fa- I mean, shit, the greatest of all time. Mariano Rivera was a, yeah. a failed starting pitcher. At some point down the road, at some point in your system, you're doing that. But but even but even for the Yankees over the last 20 years, you see it in the, at the major league level. You know, they're, they're not making these transitions in single A. I they're think making the only them one. Because they were mis, mishandled and uh, and didn't work out in in the Bronx in real time. I think the only one who was like drafted as a reliever, Ilya, if you could do some real time Googling on this, is D Rob. I think Robertson was always a reliever, never a starter. And obviously he worked out. So as as a relief pitcher. But like every other everyone else is is uh, a converted starter because they, they couldn't crack it as a starter. But this is something, you know, we dating back to our complaints on the Yankees losing in the playoffs. Um, in 17, 18, 19, obviously you and I had debates on, was it the lack of starting pitching or was it the lack of timely hitting, right? Like you could honestly blame both, but I always pointed to, I mean, look at the fact that the Yankees had to open with Chad green in game six of the American league championship series in 2019. Like that's not, that's not really a great plan in the long run of things. Now, 
was that out of necessity or was that out of an organizational belief and philosophy and this is how we're going to win games? Like, I don't know now. I thought at the time it was out of a belief that the organization had because it seemed like they were just putting all of their eggs in the bullpen basket. But maybe it was out of necessity because they failed in the starter realm. Yeah, they did because they were making they they certainly attempted to solidify the rotation. It just didn't work. Right. And just like you said, like some of these deals that you go back to, a lot of Yankees fans will look at the deals that were made and say, "Okay, Cashman failed because those deals weren't made." But the large majority, and I've had this conversation on Twitter over the years, and the number one, um, the number one talking point away from the 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 failed. Trades are the missed opportunities that Cashman, the one, the, the 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 one that got away. The Cashman was not aggressive enough, or just didn't have, uh, you know, whatever he needed to go get uh, a deal to make a guy happen. Everybody said Yankees got the money, go get a deal, make a deal, get the get the thing done. But you also look into the minor league system. The Yankees minor league system has not been overly great, uh, you know, over the last ten years for them to be able to build up a type of deal that was warranted. Uh, for some some top flight starters in the past. So you can definitely look both ways. And I do think, ironically enough, that the reason why the Yankees did stumble in the playoffs was because of timely hitting. Uh and and their so I'm I'm actually yelling at Cashman for for the the makeup of the offense on that side too. Uh because the pitching randomly did enough for them to win. But it wasn't that was not by design. That was not by plan. That right. that ended up being happenstance. Right, because the plan was acquire Sonny Gray in 2017, have him be a mainstay in the rotation, acquire James Paxson in 2019, have him be a mainstay in the rotation, and, yep. and then add it with the with the fact that you already had Severino, Montgomery at that time, and Tanaka, who was still with the team. Like That was probably the plan, and obviously Sonny Gray didn't work out and James Paxson didn't work out for, for various reasons. And, and then injure like, you sprinkle sprinkle injuries. in all the injuries that happened. Yeah. Severino obviously didn't pitch for for multiple years. Um, you know, Tanaka Tanaka was still effective, but not. But he was at the downside the of his career by that time. Yeah, for sure. And and you know that goes into some of the things that we'll talk about here with, uh, you know, managing innings and 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 getting guys starting pitching playing a different role than they are currently playing. Well, the the innings thing, like we were looking up, Ilya was pulling the numbers where it's like. You know, the talk about eye tests versus nerd tests, Scott. I, I think you agree with me. Our eye tests were like, well, the Yankee starters like have to be going at least in a, a inning more this year than in previous years because it just like it seems like they are. And uh, I think the numbers are potentially skewed by the fact that the first month of the season they were in ramp up periods and pitchers were not going deep into games. But the Yankees starters have averaged six and two thirds innings over the last month. <laughs> that's that's amazing. When you think about that, this team was routinely getting four and five inning starts between 2018 and 2020. Routinely five inning starts or less. And and that's why also I, I think that the philosophy and you know the 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 system was changed. The complete Yankee system and their philosophy around pitching changed. They they clearly, when they moved away from Larry Larry Rothschild and went to the uh the Matt Blake era, there was a newfound you know, dependence on analytics for pitching. They they were they were certainly looking at it differently. And 
you can tell you can see that like it's it's definitely starting to to rear its head is the way that they are approaching these starting pitchers and the bullpen as well as well that was a very um i got a plane going over me it's very loud you always but got they have, people are used to it by now they don't care <laughs> they have a uh, i can't hear that's the problem is that i can't hear i can't hear myself think um but we when you look at the bullpen dependence and and how much they did rely on them even going back to 2018 2019 they were there was a there was a very quick trigger finger like they were ready to go ready to go like the first sign of of uh of of problems they're going to a guy in the bullpen if that third time around the rotation is is coming up you're getting yanked and it just seems like that's not the case anymore and their bullpen is still very good that didn't change so so well, you could did? argue their bullpen was better then at least name name recognition wise. Yeah, but there's the, the I mean there's uh you, before everybody got hurt this year. I mean you you're still you're still rolling out significant yeah uh names and effectiveness. I, I don't give a shit what their names are. The bullpen's extremely effective. Yeah, but part of that part of the reason the bullpen's been so effective is because they're not at the same workload as they were back in 2019. 2019 the Yankee starters averaged 4 and 2 thirds innings to start. <laughs> not crazy. even five full innings. That's when the quality start gets changed. You're like, okay, yeah. now now four innings and three runs is a quality start. But it's interesting but, to think about like, okay, obviously the talent on the roster is in the starting pitching rotation is better now than it was. But also, like you said, the philosophy has changed. And, and the decision to move on from Larry Rothschild after the 2019 season and bring bring in Matt Blake was an organizational decision that we need to change our pitching philosophy. And I think maybe fans, us included, poo-pooed it a little bit because we didn't see any immediate results. But could we, uh, you know, could the blame be that it was the 2020 COVID season? And it's kind of unfair to expect Matt Blake and his staff to make meaningful changes in that season. And we're now finally starting to see the changes over the course of 2021 because the rotation was very good for the Yankees in 2021 and now into 2022 where it is absolutely a, a strength on this team like no questions and it's and it's not just the pitching side i mean you saw they they brought in um guy Tanner Swanson came over from the Twins who had you know had a had a different type of philosophy it was really starting with this uh you know the um, you could argue that is the pitching side though receive that's more about receiving but, of but the but that's ball. my that's my point is that it's not just the pitching coaches like they're they're looking at the catching position and focusing that catching position on defense on framing on you know receiving the ball so the organizational shift to this this philosophy it 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 went into the catch, catching position but all the way up and down the minor leagues um and they started implementing, you know, more of that analytics space. And 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 that's the thing. You're looking at the advanced metrics on on certain guys. We look at missed opportunities, going back to the decision of Lance Lynn and um Jay Ja Hap. That's 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 one that you can absolutely look back and say, well, advanced metrics on Lance Lynn were good. They chose the other guy. He got, what'd you say, thir- three year, 30 million at Texas? Like, please God give me that contract back with with uh the new pitching regime. Because if, if you know that's a to me that's that's part of the Larry Rothschild uh, era that that left the building with that type of bad decision and maybe that was one of the last straws. Seeing what Lance Lynn was doing with Texas 
and what uh, Jay Happ ended up being, that's got to hurt. That's got to hurt. Brian Cashman's got to look at that and 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 feel pain because that is yeah. a that is a, he became uh you know a dominant dominant top flight starter in the American League and they had him they had him they had the ability to go and get that hot dog hot dog smelling beautiful man uh and and lead their and lead their rotation but they 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 chose Jay Happ and uh, that kind of goes back to the Sonny Gray thing of when he came over to the Yankees and they did not have the data in the pitching the pitching analytics that he was used to in Oakland he was lost he was a lost puppy trying to find his way home and he couldn't handle it he couldn't handle not having that data and and I'm I don't think that was Lance Lynn's issue but it was the fact that the Yankees pitching coach pitching coaches and their staff was behind the times on that and potentially were. Im- impacted and caused negative impacts on some of the acquisitions that the Yankees made because when you look at Sonny Gray in the season they acquired him in 17, he pitched all right for the Yankees. His record wasn't good, 4-7, and seven, but in 65 and a third innings, he had a 3.72 ERA and 59 strikeouts. Like, by no means a dominant number one pitcher, but but pretty serviceable. And then in 2018, he was just completely lost. He had a 4-9 ERA and 130 innings pitched. He, 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 was, he was useless. And, and it was in that f- first full season under the Yankees pitching regime that he got lost. And, and that's really the thing that I think we had, we were, we should be criticizing Cashman for because ultimately it's Cashman's, it's Cashman's baseball operations, right? So it's like anything that happens underneath him in the baseball operations needs, the blame needs to go to Cashman and the credit needs to go to Cashman now. And I think that's what we're, we're doing here is we're well, giving for the mo- Cashman for the most credit. Part- for the most part, they're all yeah. Cashman's uh, in charge with uh, of the coaches. Larry Rothschild stayed on. That was the the overlap. That was that the, was guy the that only on. one to he's the only one to stay. Yeah, right. And you look back at that decision now, and you know how how much of that. Obviously, it wasn't just Rothschild. There was a system in place that was that was not. This is the same system that had been failing the Yankees for for years. Uh, with with starters that were supposed to be coming up through the system and be the next guy, and just never ever happened. And I mean, Sonny Gray, for as much shit as I give that guy, um, as much as I'm tied to him, I, I think it was the his usage of the curveball. Uh, it was a breaking, it was increased with Larry Rothschild. And he was Larry vocal. He did. was big on breaking balls. Larry, yes. Larry, uh, the numbers are in here. Under, under Rothschild, the Yankees only threw the fastball 54% of, or they threw the fastball 54% of the time. Larry Rothschild loved his pitchers throwing off speed. And when you when you talk to, I mean, Sonny Gray was definitely he had mentioned that he had discussed that about the the tick up of, um, I think curveball specifically. I gotta I gotta look exactly at those splits, but that was one of the, the areas he changed his repertoire uh, essentially when he came over, and he could not handle it, it. It didn't work. So as much shit as I give Sonny Gray, there was definitely you know looking back, there was definitely you know more to that story and more to. Yeah. To, to blame and why why he uh, didn't execute the way that we expected him to execute. And now the Yankees, I mean, they're only throwing a fastball 56% of the time under Matt Blake, but what are they doing this year? Like, what's the one thing? The cutter, baby. <laughs> the cutter is making a comeback. I feel like every pitcher discovered the cutter this offseason. And, and, you know, cutter is not classified as, as a regular fastball, but between fastball and cutter, they're throwing a lot more hard stuff. If yes. you, it, it, and that's really the takeaway here. Tyon throwing a cutter, 
14% this year. Last year, he threw it 3.7% of the time. Nestor added a Cortez. Nestor added a Cortez. Nestor added a Cortez. Nestor Cortez added a cutter back in 2021. And this year, his usage of it is up to 39%. It's his most used pitch. Seve hadn't thrown a cutter in years, and he's throwing a cutter again. Cole, obviously, there was big talk about Cole adding the cutter. And uh, it's his third highest pitch this this season. And and Monty actually had been thrown a cutter for a couple of years. But again, we're seeing more consistent usage of it out of the starting rotation top to bottom. And, you know, one of the things to me when I'm when I hear that is uh, th- there's a slight tick up on the fastball. But like you mentioned, this the hard stuff, there's there's certainly an increase in what they're and what they're throwing. And to me, that's just working off the fastball, right? That's working off the fastball. Same arm slot, same look. Same, you know, velocity is is similar. It's going to be a little lower, but it's it's similar. So you have that late action of a cutter rather than uh, the ball, you know, making a uh, four seam, uh, four seam uh, over the plate. You have that late action with the cutter with a little bit of a dip of velocity, but it's still coming at you hard. It's not enough to be a slider. It's not a breaking ball, and they're working off of that fastball location. And that shit is very difficult, very difficult as a batter to process that. Because of the late break, and when you can effectively hit that late break, that late break, the cutter grip changes depending on who you, who's holding it. The you know the pressure of your fingers, all of the different things depending on your arm slot. So the cutter is going to look a little different. I mean, you look at any pitch, even with uh, with Holmes, he throws that 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 power sinker. You got to say the word power in front of it because it's coming at ninety nine miles per hour. Sinkers it's, don't get thrown at ninety nine miles per hour. It's it's crazy. It's a downward action two seamer, but. That's that's what it is. Blake Trinan threw a very similar pitch um, when he was, you know, f- he's filthy. He had one of the best sinkers in baseball uh, coming out of that bullpen. So it's a lot of hard stuff with late action, which as a batter, that's just got to drive you insane because it all looks like a fastball. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, 
thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Batters across the league over the last couple of years have discussed how hard it is to hit the baseball now. Like we keep blaming various aspects for why batting average is are down so much. But uh, I remember Charlie Blackman had that quote last year when the sticky stuff was happening. He was just like, guys, it's really hard to be a hitter right now. Pitchers across the league are just absolutely filthy. You're talking about 99 mile an hour sinkers. Back in my day, Scott, <laughs> Greg Maddox's sinker was like 87 miles an hour. Okay. When Ming Wong was throwing like a 93 mile an hour sinker, we were like, whoa. Wong. Wong's got that bowling ball sinker. Now you got Michael King coming out there throwing 97 mile an hour sinkers and and Clay Holmes throwing 98 mile an hour sinkers. It's filthy. But why have they been able to, why have pitchers, not just Yankees pitchers, pitchers across the league been able to figure out how to throw these pitches, which still move at such high velocities? It's the technology has allowed them to do it. The technology well, they're, they're, has become so precise. They've gotten so, be able to precisely measure everything and optimize everything that they can do that. That that's the other side of the pitching. That what you know when we when we were talking about um, the change in the Yankees organization and their philosophy and the way that they were looking at pitching. Everybody you know thinks obviously the advanced metrics and what you see on a baseball reference or a, 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 a whatever whatever website you're looking at you see those but that's the other the other side of it is the technology and the ability to tweak the different the different uh pieces of of your mechanics and your grip and all the different things because you can now break it down so precisely with spin rate and pressure of fingers and arm slot you can get so granular that that yeah you can make very impactful changes with little tiny tweaks because of the technology and that was the other side of it that that's fascinating to me is that it's not just the statistics that are the outcome, but it's the prep and all of the adjustments, the biomechanics that they're doing to get these guys to get those types of results. That shit is fascinating. And that's that goes back to um the what what is the name of the the in, in Seattle? Oh my gosh, it's losing my brain, where uh they're they're specializing in um Map Lake came from this. No, nothing. Oh, Matt Blake came faces. from Seattle. No, Matt Blake a, is working at like a no, 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 community no, no. college a, in Massachusetts. Uh, it's a it's a it's a training it's a training camp it's a training facility. Oh, okay, I don't know. I, my brain is not working. I had a birthday. <laughs> it's not Cressy, right? No, but it's like Cressy. Cressy. I mean, Cressy. That's that's another piece of this. You look oh, at yeah. what Cressy Cressy uh, came in yeah. and changing the biomechanics and changing the uh, the way that they train certainly affects how their uh, how their all goes hand you know hand. mechanics are there. Right. Yeah. And I also see that right now the Yankees are a little bit better than uh, as far as innings per start than last year's leader, which was Oakland at five and two thirds innings per start. So, but, you know, by every metric, however you want to slice it, war, FIP, expected stats, ERA, uh, innings per start, like all of the different rate stats, the Yankees, if they're not number one, they're, they're top three in the league. 
And, and I think it's just, you know, it's interesting to think about like, why, why, why? Because there's no one clear cut answer to, oh, it's Cashman and his decisions. Oh, oh, it's all all Matt Blake. And it's all, it's all this. It's obviously everything working in tandem. Um, but like, I just look at these historic trades, everyone got worse in their second year with the Yankees. It's really amazing when you think about it. Like, Pineda, he he was hurt at first, and I think that no one really freaked out when Pineda was getting surgery to start his Yankees career in 2012 because Jesus Montero was a joke in Seattle. But when Pineda finally did break in with the Yankees in 2014, he had a 189 ERA in 76 innings. And then in his second year, his ERA was terrible. It was 4.8 in 175 innings. Uh, he did strike out a lot of batters, but like he just flip flopped. He he was never consistent. Nathan Avaldi, who you were a huge fan of, he had a 4.20 ERA, nice with the Yankees in his first year. Went up to 4.76 in his second year. Um, like all of these guys would have flashes in the pan. I already talked about Sonny Gray, James Paxton. Uh, his first full year with the Yankees, I I think was a success. Uh, you know, as, aside from the fact that. Um, he only threw 150 innings. Like he was pretty good. And then the injuries at the end of the season and, and into 2020, it was just, it just derailed anything Paxton had with the Yankees. But so far, Tyon has been, has bucked that trend and he, he's, he's been so significantly better this year than in his first year, you know, aside from one of his worst starts of the season so far last year, uh, excuse hey, me, he last grinded, night, man, he grinded, last night, he- but he labored but, through it, but he did it. But his ERA is 273 in 62 innings. And, and the Yankees win a lot of games that Tyon starts. The thing about Tyon as well is that, I mean, he, he was coming back from injury too. So there were, you know, he was not, you could argue that this is this is his full, first full year of of feeling, you know, back to back to normal. I mean, he, he tweaked his mechanics last year. Um, you know, with uh, with with where the ball placement was behind his body in in his um, uh, in in his uh, pitching stride, and and he's gotten back a couple of times, but like he's the guy's healthy now. He's in the system for a full a full year, and you're seeing the benefits of it. It's it's pretty awesome. And that was a guy that you know they they could have gotten other people in that uh, even in the Pittsburgh organization, and they went after Tyone. Like there there were opportunities. Uh, Musgrove was a guy that you know was was everybody looked at him like why why didn't Cashman go after him? Why did Cashman go after? Why does Cashman always feel that he's got to have a resurrection project? He's got to be smarter than to, everyone else. Why does he always have to do that? Well, you know it's working out. It's working yeah. out, and yeah, I mean, you I mean, look back at Sonny I mean, Mus- Gray. Musgrove's and been filthy, though. like Musgrove, like Musgrove's been amazing. He also gave up a different a different uh, a different level of um, there's a different hall to get one of those guys, right? So you look at what what Cashman has given up for these guys too. And he really hasn't given up anything to be honest. He hasn't had a ton to work with that, that were actually uh, available for him. You can look at Miguel Anduar and Clint Frazier. Those are the two assets probably that could have been used for Garrett Cole back in the day, but also uh, Robbie Ray. They were, um, I know Clint Frazier was at least in those talks. Those are the, that, that was, that is, those are probably the two guys that you could have gotten uh, another significant haul on the pitching side for, and he just never pulled the trigger. 
That, again, that, that's why I think that all of those moves that we went through are, while they're not like home runs for the Yankees, they're not looked at as utter disasters because none of the prospects that they gave up have materialized into anything. If even one of those guys in one of those trades became like a 10-year veteran all-star player, I think it would be a lot different tone. No doubt. I mean, no doubt about it. That's a That's a big deal. That is a big deal. And he didn't give up a ton. He gave up, he gave up big guys at the moment. In the moment, that was, you know, Justice Sheffield, number one, number one prospect. Uh James, James Caprillion was was a a guy that was he was a first round draft pick, right? I mean, these the, he gave up, you know, significant um value for for what he did. But but for whatever reason, the 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 Yankees felt safe enough to uh to part ways with those guys. And again, like we said, I would probably make those trades, not knowing what I know now. Knowing in that moment and, and looking back, you know, not also not knowing that these guys on the on the minor league side didn't pan out for the uh, opposing team that we traded with, I would make those deals again because they were good gambles. They were good gambles. We so were, like, that's when you look to where did you not make the move? Why did you always go after the guy that was like quasi damaged goods? Because you could say James Paxton was damaged goods. Um, Pineda was not. Pineda was. A big young guy that that we that was a that was a heavy hitter uh, that was a heavy hitter trade, but they yeah. they valued the pitching side. We, as far as like giving up prospects, when we were doing this uh, research, when Ilya was doing this research last night, we were all talking about uh, this segment. You pulled the top fifty prospect list in back in twenty eleven when the Yankees made that Montero for Pineda trade. This list blew me away. Listen to the names uh, on this prospect list: Mike Trout. Jeremy Hellickson, Bryce Harper, uh, Dustin Ackley, Araldus Chapman, Mike Moustakas, Eric Hosmer, Jesus Montero, Julio Tehran, Michael Pineda, uh, Jacob Turner, uh, Will Myers, Freddie Freeman, Jamison Tyon, Zach Britton, Shelby Miller, uh, Manny Machado, Chris Sale, Brandon Belt, this, Brett Lowry. Like, of the 28 guys on this list, like more than half of them not only had good major league careers, but like Dud major league careers. And the fact that the Yankees are were just luckily gave up one of the duds is pretty fortunate. They got Shelby Miller back too. And that that Shelby that, Miller's Shelby, Shelby Miller's chilling in our system. That list just blew me away. I had never seen a prospect list like that. Because usually you look at a prospect board of 30 prospects, 10 years later, you might recognize like five names. You're not going to recognize more than half the names and not just recognizing them and be like, oh yeah, all-star, 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 future Hall of Famer. I mean, no, that entire there, there's like four guys on there that didn't work out. For the most part, if you right. got to the major leagues and had some semblance of a career, you're, you know, you're you're kind of checking the box there. But they're all names that we that beyond casual fans know who they are. It's a it's a wild, uh, it's a wild list, there's no doubt. So I, I I don't know. What's your takeaway from from all of this? My takeaway from all of this is not only have they completely changed the way that they look at it, but they've advanced it for much much better. They're looking at the right things. Whatever they're 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 identifying as you know the important metrics or the important areas to look for development wise as well. They're they're developing guys who have come over that didn't have a proven track record. They're um, bringing guys back from injury, seemingly better, knocking on wood. They are 
their philosophy of um, finding diamonds in the rough, a la Nestor Cortez, and and effectively, you know, making the, allowing these guys to um, to make the, the the changes that they need to be top quality starters. They're doing all of the right things. I, well, I'll tell you what I'm looking for as well. I'm I'm looking for like a guy like Domingo Herman coming back here in, in rehab. I'm curious to see what he's going to be like mm. with uh, with yeah. being you know injured, but also being under this regime for a long period of time on on a rehab assignment and and coming back to see what he is and and the type of um, you know the pitches that he's going to throw because we've seen him in spurts be very be dominant. I mean he's been he's been a very good pitcher in spurts. Uh, and he's not been able to put it all together for long periods of time. So he's a guy that I'm interested to see how he comes back and how his, uh, you know, how his pitching repertoire changes or, or adjusts. Do you know what I'm looking at? I mean, obviously what the guys currently on the major league roster or guys we've recently seen, but also how some of the Yankees pitching prospects develop under this new system. Like Ken Waldachuk, right? <clears throat> Had him on the pod. Start left-handed starting pitcher. Like under this new regime, does he does his career blossom? versus so many quote-unquote prospect pitchers the Yankees have had over the past decade that have just flamed out. Yeah, guys like that. Uh, Clark Schmidt, who's coming back and has looked very good. I mean, you look at uh, uh, your boy, Michael King. I mean, become a new guy. He's become a new new pitcher. And, and some of this could be just, um, you know, evolvement or maturity and, and you know, ad- adjustments at the... But he's making adjustments that are that are being, uh, that are being orchestrated by this, this regime. You look back and you see the amount of right-handed starting pitching that has had control issues or relief pitchers that have control issues in the minor league system right now. These, they went so heavy in the international uh, pool on right-handed start, right-handed pitching, right-handed pitching. And these guys are the, the loose Medias of the world. These guys are throwing, you know, in the, in the high nineties and have had control issues. I'm, I'm very curious to see how they're able to kind of reel those guys in the Louis heels of the world. Unfortunately, he got hurt. He was somebody that I was very excited to, to watch progress, but man, they have dynamic stuff, and if they can bottle it up, and and this, um, you know, this new system allows them to do that at a higher rate, they have a lot of talent in the in the system right now. So yeah, that's the young guys are definitely someone to look at. What about you, Ilya? You're the one who did a lot of this research. What what's your takeaway from this? Yeah, I, th- I think you know they. You guys have said it. They've really changed it in every aspect, whether it's catching the coaching front office with Cashman. Um, I think, you know, I, I look into a lot of these prospects and, and there's a lot of similarities between all of them for me. And, you know, I think because of, you know, the past five, 10 years or so, it frightens me initially. But reading about these guys, I think I think there's something to it. It makes me think there's something going on in this organization. I think, you know, we've heard about whether it's, you know, the Rays or the Dodgers, Padres, these teams that are turning out these starting pitchers, um, you know, Cleveland. I think like Cleveland think would Yankees, have a new ace every 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 year. Oh There'd be God. a new ace coming out of the Cleveland system. Oh, by the way, who came? Where did the Yankees pitching coach previously work? Oh, that's right, Cleveland. Okay, I'd say I, I think the Yankees have finally figured something out. Knock on wood, but yeah, I mean, we're all hopeful that they finally figured something out. And I'm I'm with you, man. Like. The prospect fatigue was real among Yankees fans because so many didn't work out. I mean, obviously some did work out. Aaron Judge turns into one of the best mm-hmm. players in the league. Like, okay, that that's obvious. But so many other guys, seemingly even when they did make it to the majors, would take step back, steps back. Gary Sanchez, Glaber yeah. Torres, uh, all of that. So 
we had no, there was no reason for us as fans to have faith that they were going to develop these prospects, but maybe now we're seeing that turn. Especially on the pitching side, especially, especially on the pitching, on the pitching side. side, because of all of the failed, all of the failed, uh, exp- I mean, when Jabba came up, we loved Jabba. We, we, everybody loved Jabba. We needed him. We wanted him so badly to be that next guy. Uh, you know, Phil Hughes had, uh, he had success. It wasn't sustained, but he had some success, but then also got, you know, uh, Regulated to the to the bullpen and 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 the the starting pitching was no was no more for him. Ian Kennedy, same thing. Like you 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 could you could go on and on and on with with the amount of uh, prospects that they had that just did not work out as a starting pitcher. Luis Severino was like the first one in uh, a quite some time that had come up, and then unfortunately we we know what happened. He get, he got injured, and and now is you know. Through this new regime coming back up and and number one priority for him, which I love, stay healthy, stay healthy because the talent is there. And if they're making the right tweaks to him, you know, I expect him to be uh, to be a a top flight starting pitcher throughout the year if he can stay healthy. You basically the scary thing is you basically named all of the starting pitchers that the Yankees developed over the past fifteen years. <laughs> it's like yeah, but you could go yeah the Manny Benuelos, uh, Dellen Batantis was a starting pitcher that started. Uh, no, no, relievers Brackman, is different, the- but like guys who were starters and then materialized into starters, like Ching Ming Wong, um, Phil Hughes, Luis Severino, Jordan Montgomery. Even Hughes, though, got, you know, he became a bullpen piece. But he did, I don't know, he had a successful, he was a, he had a yeah. successful starting career in the major leagues. Okay, so like he's a success, even if he's not the success we all thought he was going to be, he was a success. Yes, I but you count them on one hand, okay? Yeah, in, for sure. In no, absolutely. Twenty years, one hand. You can't even fill out a starting five rotation in twenty years. Manny Benuelos was supposed to be. I mean, he was a starting pitcher. Andrew Brackman was a starting pitcher when they were coming up. These guys were starting pitchers coming. I know. Up. So it's you know, Batantis was. They transitioned him into a reliever in the minor leagues, but he yep. was originally. You know, it's not like he was drafted. Like, some of these guys were drafted as starting pitchers and then Im- immediately transitioned over. No, like that happens all the time. They were they were they were being developed as starting pitchers, and it just didn't work out. Batantis couldn't find the strike zone. Then all of a sudden, he went into the um, into the into the bullpen, and magically, he found the strike zone. He found he found his consistency. Well, he was able to focus on just fastball, curveball. Yeah, and it was elite. <laughs> all right. I, I mean, I, I guess I guess that's that's going to wrap it up. I mean, it was just kind of a conversation, a deep dive into into a topic that everyone is super interested in right now on this Yankees team as this season is going on. I think we're going to do more of these as they as they pop up throughout the season. Hope you guys out there enjoyed it. Again, Scott and I are going to be recording Friday morning after the Minnesota series, so make sure to check that out. Call up the voicemail line at 646-480-0342 and submit your mailbag questions. Also, you know what we haven't done in a while? Push for ratings and reviews. Please go go and uh, rate us on, on whatever podcast platform you're currently listening to. Maybe you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, give it a like, give it a little comment. I don't know. Boost the algorithm. Just comment a bunch of times. Just comment algorithm booster in the comments like 50 times or something like that. I don't know. Whatever, whatever YouTube likes. What were you going to say, Scott? Um, there, someone uh, wrote in uh, talking about the sleeve that Zach Britton is coming. So we'll talk about that in the next episode. But I thought super interesting. Just yeah, that was a good comment. Like how it's coming up. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll. We'll, uh, we'll we'll do a follow up on that one, but definitely some interesting technology uh, on the uh, on the Tommy John side of things. Sweet. All right, we will talk to you guys on Friday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. 
Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.